Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. Today's episode, week 13, NFL recap and Monday night football preview. Bucks and Saints to wrap up the week. It is just after midnight here on the East Coast. Sunday night football, Jill's Cowboys handled their business. We will get to that. Week 13 had 13 games, Cardinals and Panthers on the bye. We will start with uh, some of the marquee games of the day. Like I said, we will discuss Monday night. Bucks and Saints, they play in Tampa tomorrow, and then we will get the hot read from Brandon Anderson. Brandon Anderson, Joe Gallant, Brendan Glasheen, your usual suspects, on a late night, Monday morning for most, tuning in. We'll start with Kansas City and Cincinnati. This was one of the two games we circled. We'll get to Miami and San Francisco after, but Brandon, this was the game that a lot of folks looked forward to, AFC Championship rematch. And what do you know, Kansas City futzing around, going down early, 14-3, and then they make their run. You're like, okay, this is classic Chiefs, but this dude Joe Burrow is a different cat. And when you've got Jamar Chase back in the mix, I was just talking to Jill a moment ago before you joined us. You're making the, the debate, does Butker kick the field goal at the end of the game, even though it's fourth and not long, long, but it's fourth and medium, really, for the Chiefs. You could call it fourth and short. They decide to kick the field goal. Butker misses from 55 yards out. Bengals, as a dog at home, get there. Yeah, I think you got to really question the field goal decision there. When you're the Chiefs and you have Pat Mahomes, you have that offense, like the field goal, best case scenario, you have a 55-yarder. Your kicker, Butker, has not really been reliable this year. He was injured. Special teams, not as good for the Chiefs as they typically are under Andy Reid. But even if you make a 55-yarder, you still tie the game. You still have to stop Joe Burrow in the offense, and you still have to either get the ball back late or hope you win in overtime. You might even get the ball in overtime because you might have to kick to the Bengals there as well. So that's the problem is you, you want to win the game. You don't want to just tie the game. So extending against the Bengals as good as they are, not necessarily a great plan there. So I don't know about that plan. 
the, the Chiefs tend to not be quite as aggressive sometimes as they really ought to. When you have possibly the best quarterback of all time, maybe go a little more often, give your guy a chance. But, I mean, look, the Bengals, they ran three three first downs. They ran the clock out the last three minutes of the game. So, uh, stats-wise, pretty even game for the most part. Like, if you just look at a box score, look at the numbers and everything, it all looks relatively equal. Travis Kelsey had that late fumble in the fourth quarter. That's pretty uncharacteristic. Pretty coin-flippy result by the stats. It didn't feel like that watching, though. It felt like the Bengals really kind of had this the whole way. Three of seven in the red zone for Cincinnati, which seven, that is a lot of chances in the red zone. They got stuffed on fourth and one right before the half. Tyler Boyd dropped the gift wrap touchdown. I probably could have caught that one. I think you guys could have caught that one. So I think the Bengals let this one get away a little bit, but then still put it away in the end. What'd you think, Jill? I thought this was an MVP performance from Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not going to say that he should be the favorite now. I'm not going to say that he needs to win it right now. But if we, if he was to continue this case and trajectory of the way that he finished like last year and propel them up to the upper echelon of the AFC, this is going to be on the resume. This is going to be on the track record. Like I felt like he kind of willed this team to win. And just from an eye test standpoint, uh, it felt like he was just kind of completing everything. And then you actually look, he actually completed 80% of his passes. Uh, and I mean, he was 25 for 31 from the field, like just around 300 yards. Um, game-winning touchdown drive to Chris Evans. I think everybody thought the ball was going to Jamar Chase. And even Jamari looked pretty good coming back from that injury uh, to go up by three. But yeah, guys, I mean, that field goal attempts, that, that really bothered me. Like it just... Andy Reid is supposed to be this just genius type of offensive coordinator. You've got Patrick Mahomes, who is just able to make what it seems like almost any throw. Um, you know, he could probably even rush for that type of distance. I mean, he ran for a touchdown in the game. He cashed as a plus 350 anytime touchdown score. So did Joe Burrow as well at a plus 500, just to kind of add to Burrow's case of how well he played in this game. But uh, really, I mean, I think the biggest winner out of this game is the Bills. I mean, they now get the one seed. They, I mean, I feel like they kind of got bailed out, you know, to be able to get the one seed now, just because even though they've won three in a row, like other than that Patriots game, they just haven't looked that great. You know, so they seem just a little more vulnerable, especially with how careless, you know, Josh Allen has been uh, throwing the ball over the last few games. But uh, the biggest takeaway from this game is just the Bengals got the Chiefs number. And uh, now uh, we're looking at the Bills as the one seed in the AFC. And they're the favorite to win the conference over at FanDuel plus 175. Once again, the Bills are favorites to win the Super Bowl at plus 370. And a lot of trends that were rolling for, for both teams for Kansas City, a trend in which they've trailed now in uh, in halftime. They've trailed in their last six games in which they've trailed at half, make it seven today. But in those previous six, they had won. They did not win this game today, as we know. Mahomes is a short favorite. Very solid record of 17-5-1 coming in. Lost for just the sixth time. And then, as we've discussed on our best bets pods and even during the week leading up to this game, Cincinnati is rolling against the spread. They are 16-3 and in their last 19 against the spread. Yeah, another trend. Last 25 games for the Chiefs now. 0-3 against the Bengals. 20-2 and against everyone else. So it does feel like this is just not a great matchup for the Chiefs, you know. We saw last year both games and then a little less today, but still plenty where if the chips are down, Joe Burrow just throws it up to Chase or Higgins and lets his guys go up and make a play. And Kansas City still doesn't seem to have an answer for that. Higgins had a couple of big grabs. 
Chase, like you said, hadn't played for a month and came back in, led all receivers in yardage, I think, here. So, uh, you know, the Chiefs are really good. But I think as much as this knocks the Chiefs out of the one seed for now, they're still tied for the one seed. They're still going to be in the mix there. Look, Kansas City coming into this game had the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL per Football Outsiders, counting the Bengals. So now with that one out of the way, that will tell you how easy it is. The Chiefs might not lose again the regular season. They're fine. This is not a, the, the sky is not falling on the Chiefs. But the Bengals, they were 40 to 1 to be the one seed coming into this one. You, you're one game behind now for uh, against Buffalo and against Kansas City. You have the tie break on the Chiefs, obviously. And the Bengals host the Bills in a month, January 2nd. So you could beat the Bills. You could win out. It's a tough schedule. Tough schedule here, but the way that they're playing, I think right now you have to consider the Bengals a genuine Super Bowl threat. And especially, Jill, you mentioned possible MVP for Burrow, used his legs as a weapon today too. I think that was a a clear thing that they tried. If they get up to a one seed, that makes them a much bigger threat for an MVP, makes them a much bigger threat to make another run, get back to the Super Bowl, and, and maybe be the favorite there. And Burrow has climbed to thir- uh, number three on uh, for the odds for MVPs, plus 750, only behind Mahomes, the favorite, and then Jalen Hurts sandwiched between the two. It's also just other note, like the Bengals kind of did what the Chiefs have done all year. Okay, we lost Tyreek. We've lost weapons. We'll plug in P. Ryan for Mixon. We're fine. I know Chase was back. That's That's a huge boost, no question. Hayden Hurst went down in this game. Joe Burrow is pretty legit. Miami and San Francisco was the other 4 p.m. window game. A lot of anticipation with the coaching matchup with Mike McDaniel going back to San Francisco. He brought some staff from San Fran with him to Miami. This was a pretty tight game uh, all the way through, and then San Francisco pulled away. The story, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo is done for the season. That's the reporting right now. He's done for the year. Foot injury. They have to go to the backup. Uh, what was it? Brandon had a great tweet earlier. Pur- Purdy. Purdy was the quarterback that that filled in in this game. Niners get there, Brandon. They win 33-17 and cover the spread. They they are getting hot, but then their quarterback goes down. And we know Kyle Shanahan without Jimmy Garoppolo against the spread, record overall. He ain't that successful. They were successful today. Yeah, they were. Like, it, it's going to be pretty hard to win games when your third ah. string quarterback, Mr. Relevant. That was the line. So we'll go with it again. Uh, let's start with the game, though, because so first play of the game, literally the first play, Miami hits Trent Sherfield on a slant to the house. And like, we've been waiting, building this one up. We got Kyle Shanahan. We got Mike McDaniel, protege, offensive schemes. What will San Francisco's defense do against all Mc, McDaniel and the weapons? First play, you're like, okay, here we go. Let's go. And then that was pretty much it for Miami's offense. They hit a late pass to Tyree Kill, a bomb for a touchdown. Finally broke the 49ers streak. That was the first score they allowed at all in the second half in five games. It's the only one they allowed. But basically outside of those two long plays, Tua was not good this game. Tua was under pressure all game, missing both tackles. So we kind of figured that would be the case. Two interceptions, three sacks. He got a strip sack that turned into a touchdown. Not a good game for Tua. And look, he's been piling up the numbers. We got our Tua MVP long shot ticket. We got our Tyree Kill ticket. They've been piling up the numbers against all these bad opponents. That's why we bought the ticket a month ago. 
We knew they were playing the Texans and all these terrible teams. We also knew this was coming. This is not a good sign that you get to, you know, admittedly an elite defense, but the, the Niners defense, just magnificent, shutting them down. Uh, Dolphins had five turnovers in the second half alone. Miami did not convert a third down. They had under 20 minutes of possession, just utter domination by the 49ers who don't forget played for pretty much the entire game. Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback, not the backup, the third string because Jimmy Garoppolo was already the backup. Like most of you listening, I've never heard of Brock Purdy before today. And it just didn't matter. They, they rolled anyway. So I think we have to start by just putting respect on the 49ers name who went in, like you said, Jill, the Dolphins could have been the one seed here if they won this game today. And the Dolphins or the, the 49ers absolutely demolished them. Yeah. And the swing, Brandon, that you mentioned, like, had they won today, they would have been the one seed now in the AFC. Instead, with that loss, they dropped the sixth now in the AFC from a playoff odds standpoint. And, um, uh, you know, Tua didn't really have much time to pass. I mean, the, the defensive line for San Francisco pretty much dominated this game. They only had three sacks, but, I mean, he was knocked down a lot in this game. And the thing that we uh, that a lot of people were kind of trying to pay attention to is how Tua, who attacked the middle of the field so well uh, throughout the season, how he was going to do that against the Niners and Fred Warner and that too high safety. And you saw it on the first play of the game, Trent Sherfield over the middle. Wow, here comes a touchdown. Okay, I think the Dolphins have solved it. No, no, that that was it pretty much because uh, Tua, he threw for around 290 yards, but two of those plays accounted for about 130 of those yards to Sherfield and both the Hill. Like it it was not very good performance by him from a passing standpoint. Again, the, the, the lack of time to be able to throw really kind of put him in that position. But uh, as I mentioned about the, the swing, I'm kind of worried about the dolphins right now, just because if you look at the five game stretch, they have to close the season. Now the chargers might not be as formidable as a matchup, but again, they're going to be a tougher matchup. And then you've got the bills and the Packers, the Pats and the jets to end the year. Uh, that might've been their shot to be able to get to the top of the conference. And now like, I think they're going to probably just be a wildcard team and probably have to go on the road and hope maybe win in, in that kind of scenario. I'm not sure if that was the way that they wanted that to play out. Mm. Chargers do have a pass rush that could get to the quarterback, not quite the the caliber of the team they played today, but it's not an easy schedule. And that there was a lot of questions we had about this Miami offense coming into this game, more so about Tua, how they would handle a more difficult opponent as you guys mapped out. So Dolphins odds have shifted quite a bit. They're plus 950 now to win the conference for the Super Bowl, plus 1700. No semblance of a running game either. Uh, yeah. Jeff Wilson, one carry, three yards. Raheem Mostert, 30 yards. <laughs> oh, it was the ultimate eight, revenge rushes game as, for, for Eight for, rushes for, as an entire team. Really, really. I mean, by design, I think McDaniel yes. just was like, all right, we know what we're going to do. We're going to try to pass on this team. It, just, it didn't happen for them. So I did a little Brock Purdy scouting for you guys. So Brock Purdy, here, here's the scouting report. Started four years at Iowa State. He had 12,000 yards, 81 touchdowns. Both are Iowa State all-time records. So the guy has had a lot of time starting there. Actually knew who he was because when he was a freshman, he backed up a dude named Zeb Nolan, who ended up transferring to NDSU and was just god-awful for our team. And Brock Purdy was his backup and couldn't beat him out for the job. So big fan of Brock Purdy. But basically, this is a rhythm quarterback. He doesn't have a big arm. He doesn't have a, a quick release or anything. He's kind of short. But Kyle Shanahan, you mentioned the record without Jimmy Garoppolo, 9-29 mm -hmm. and 29 straight up 
without Garoppolo in his career. Six and 21 as an underdog, three and eight straight up as a favorite, three and eight straight up and ATS. So not great, but don't forget the rest of the roster around those teams. This roster is way better. The defense we've talked about, this defense has only allowed 20 points twice the entire season. Like the line for this game, I I noticed when I wrote about it, Miami's line team total was 20.5. Miami, the team who scores on everyone, and I was like, oh, that's so easy. I have to hit that. And then I looked at San Fran's defense and it's like, man, they just don't allow any points. So if you wonder, okay, how do the 49ers do this with Brock Purdy now? Well, Shanahan turned Nick Mullins into a decent, competent quarterback. He turned CJ Beathard into a competent quarterback. How do they do it with him today? We just saw today how they do it with them. You play elite defense. You get your quarterback to just get the ball out. Just get the ball to our other guys. Give yep. it to Debo. Give it to Brandon Ayuk. Give it to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, to me, I think the takeaway looking forward is that San-, San Fran is only up one game on Seattle in division. They go to Seattle in a couple of weeks. This team is not a lock for the playoffs right now. They play the Bucs, the Seahawks, and the Commanders next three weeks. Those are all losable games when you have literally Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback, the last pick in the draft. But I think San Francisco is going to be underrated, undervalued in the regular season. I think that what we saw today can work right now. It's going to get them to the playoffs, get some defense, get the playmakers. I don't want Niners futures for the Super Bowl. I don't think Brock Purdy is going to go out and win you a Super Bowl this year or Josh Johnson, who they brought in. But I do think they can get to the playoffs. I just don't know. I want to back them there. Plus 1,200 to win the Super Bowl right now, the Niners. Yeah, it felt like, too, they almost validated the McCaffrey trade today. They they used him quite a bit in this game. But that's sort of what ignited them earlier in the year, too, getting the ball out quick. Garoppolo, a quarterback, too, getting the ball out quick and let your guys – a lot of a lot of yak in this game, right? Yards after the catch for, for both of those quarterbacks. That's why it was a fascinating matchup. Let's go to the rest of the day. We'll begin the rest of the slate. We'll we'll go to Jets and Vikings. A lot of folks here from action uh, on the on the Jets. Vikings do win and cover 27-22. Brandon, your Minnesota Vikings. Do we do we need to change how we respect this team or are we just going to laugh at how the Jets close this game out? Yeah, we're just going to laugh. We we we're going to acknowledge the absolute fraudulence of this Minnesota Vikings team every week until it stops fraudulating against us because the Vikings are now nine and zero in one score games this year that we know historically is random. They're not, they're 10 and two on the season with a plus 10 point differential. Like that is a ridiculous number in the second half. The jets got the ball six times. They drove it into the red zone all six times. They got three field goals, a turnover and downs, one touchdown that they almost didn't get. They needed a fourth down, barely in QB sneak to get it, and then an interception to end the game. So six drives, all into the red zone, 16 points, because the Vikings, forever lucky Vikings, like that's sarcasm because the Vikings haven't caught a break my entire life, and we're apparently using all of them up in one season, and uh, one regular season, by the way. I'm sure this is going to carry over just perfectly well for the Vikings into the playoffs. Minnesota was up 20-3. to They're up 27 to 15 with seven minutes left. They had no business losing this game, but man, if you had the Jets cover, like you said, as most of our company did, 
The Jets absolutely should have covered. They absolutely should have won this game. They had 200 more yards than the Vikings. The Vikings are fraudulent, and the Vikings keep pulling it out. New York was one of six in the red zone, three of 16 on third down, two of five on fourth down, and a couple of turnovers. That is how you give away a game that you never should have. Garrett Wilson connection is pretty for real, though, with Mike White. Yes. That's, that's that's going very well. But, yeah, the, the Vikings just keep doing it, and they're only a two-point favorite at the Lions next week. So that kind of explains what we're talking it about. Does. Brendan, we'd, uh, when Mike White got announced as the starter on Green Dot Daily, we reacted live, and we talked yeah. about Garrett Wilson, 40-1 to 1, as Rookie of the Year sleeper. He ain't sleeping no more, not after the last two weeks. And Kenneth Walker got hurt today, too. That could be a live ticket if you got that one. Jill, you have the luxury to discuss our lone tie today. The <laughs> commanders and Giants. You know, you're not even, you're more upset that this, you, you had your, one of your best bets on the pod this week was the commanders to cover two and a half. You're almost more upset that the bet just didn't lose. I mean, it did, but it, it should have just lost by like the Giants winning, but it didn't happen. Yeah, the the Brian Dable situation here i'm going to explain in a second but this was really just like the nfc east kissing your sister bowl like just it was like a full tie game like neither team really moves up or down the standings like i guess you could say the commanders did move down slightly to the eighth spot with the tie seattle did move ahead of them with the win today but the reason why i was annoyed is the cap the giants should have won this game by seven like they had the ball with 145 to go. And if they just run the ball, get like, yes, commanders did have their timeouts, but make them burn those timeouts. Instead, they're throwing the ball to Darius Slayton for these 35 yard splash plays. What are you doing, Brian Dable? Like, that's the one thing is like, yes, he should be probably favored up there for coach of the year. And, you know, he's done a lot of good things so far, but that was one of the worst things that I've seen him do as a head coach. And, you know, the commanders, they started strong. Uh, their run defense just kind of came up short like they were getting run over by Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley a lot especially in the second quarter where they basically seeded the lead uh going into halftime um but yeah now since week three uh commanders games are nine and one to the under now uh you know Heineke doesn't cover for the first time in eight games like again it's just one of those things that was just really screwy and of course you have to see it in an NFC East divisional game but uh Daniel Jones and the Giants they're I mean, they're nine and three against the spread now. Like, like it's just, it's kind of frustrating to watch as a Cowboys fan, if you're betting like against these teams at all. But at the same time, uh, I really felt like the Giants, they should have won that game by way more. Like they should have won the game really. Like it's just the fact that right now they gave that much time, like a minute and a half with three timeouts to the commanders to go down and tie that game. You deserve to lose in overtime instead. And uh, the commanders punt twice in overtime as well. So again, it was just one of those games that just made you have a real bad taste in your mouth. So here come the Raiders. They've won three in a row, two of those wins in overtime. And as an NFL better, you look at a team that not only had to play in overtime the previous week, but the previous two weeks, and you sort of grind your teeth like they're a short favorite. The Chargers are coming in. When these two teams get together, I look at the screen, I go, I have no freaking clue what's going to happen with the Chargers <laughs> and the Raiders. And the Raiders, Brandon, win by a touchdown. They've won three in a row. They're, they're, they're sort of crawling their way back into this thing since Derek Carr broke down at the podium. <laughs> um, what do you What do you make of this? And the, the Raiders getting there. They cover as a short favorite. 
Yeah, another one-score game for both of these teams. We talked about that on our uh, hot read last week, that this was one of our picks, just uh, part of a teaser, just to keep it close, because somehow the Chargers and Raiders, both of them, always in a one-score game, and especially when they play each other. I think that's six of the last seven now. Basically, the Raiders just, their formula is, hey, you know what? Let's just let Jacobs and Adams do everything. And it turns out that formula works all right. Adams, 177 yards and two touchdowns. Jacobs, another monster game. Didn't even know if he'd play. 144 yards and a touchdown for him. The Chargers aren't very good. They're 6-6. and They're only a game ahead of the Raiders now. After, like, who would imagine that we buried the Raiders a month ago and everyone's just been kind of acting like the Chargers were a playoff team all year. This was in my futures Friday. They were not a playoff team to me coming into the weekend. They're in trouble now. They, they I think, are probably the ninth team in the AFC. They could end up even getting passed by the Raiders the way things are going. And they've got Miami and Tennessee next as well. So, honestly, this wasn't even as close as it looked. And Justin Herbert loses another second half, 12-30-2 against the spread in the second half now. Wow. Yep, Raiders are kind of in it-ish, or at least they're helping other teams not be in it. I think that's kind of what's going on now. It's spoiler, but another, right, all of their losses this year by one score and their wins, they've had only a few. They beat the Texans bad, but that was closer than the score indicates. But yes, they survived. Third straight win. You know, I feel like we're kind of offending frozen pizzas by keeping the Colts and the Dallas game not in that category. We'll go to frozen pizzas next. Jill, your Cowboys, that was the game we just saw before we went live. They demolish the Colts, 54-19. There were impressive moments, don't get me wrong. This wasn't all about the incompetence of Matt Ryan and that operation, but I can't help but lead with that this this feels like it's it for Matt Ryan, and are you buying your, your Cowboys in this performance tonight? Because, again, their next two, they play the Texans. I, I don't have it in front of me. They play the Texans next. They're a, they're a huge favorite in that game. I think they play another cupcake team the following week. Are we going to learn much about this team the next couple weeks? Is this legit? I don't really think I learned anything today. Like, this was a, just a <laughs> defensive destruction uh, in the second half. Uh, and, and, I mean, you really think about it, the Eagles barely beat this team. They needed, like, a – a fourth down conversion. They needed all these things to kind of go right. Jalen hurts to kind of have like this MVP drive to actually just win that game. And the Colts have a win over the chiefs on their resume. And now you just watch them barely put up. Uh, they didn't even score 20 points. Uh, like Matt Ryan. I just, I just felt bad for him at the end. Like it, just like a beaten dog. Like it just needs to retire at the end of the year, like three picks, two fumbles, and it wasn't even the worst AFC South quarterback performance today. Like Kyle Allen, like took the cake, like for the, the Texans today, just completely shit the bed. Um, you know, the Colts, they got outscored 33 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Like I, I've just never seen that before. Like in a long time, at least just of where it was a complete demolition of where if you had gone to sleep, like midway through the third quarter, Cowboys are only up by two and you're like, Oh, I don't know if they're going to cover. <laughs> and then cover very easily. They go over the total by themselves at the 44 and a half. And uh, yeah, Jeff Saturday, man, you just you got to go back to the booth, like 16 points, 17 points, 19 points over the last three games. But yeah, Frank Reich was the problem. Reeks of a placeholder kind of role for Saturday. And it wasn't all Matt Ryan, like Mo Alley Cox, boop, Paul, ball just pops out, just little things. They got to clean it up and, it feels like they're not going to be able to do that until the off season and going into next year. Let's roll through the frozen pizzas from today. 
Pittsburgh, one of our favorite teams lately on the podcast, the best best bets podcast. And Brandon, they're one win away from getting to the in-season win total bet you made on the pod and even on Green Dot Daily. They win and beat Atlanta 19 to 16. I thought they looked really good in the first half. They sort of let the Falcons hang around, though. Yeah, they sort of let them hang around. And I got a bone to pick with Minka Fitzpatrick because the Steelers are making us a lot of money lately, right? Oh We've been on the Steelers God. a few weeks in a row here. So I played a reverse teaser today, Lions oh, and no. Steelers. So reverse teaser, I gave back seven points on both games. The Lions covered and then some. The Lions rolled, no problem. We'll get to them. I need the Steelers to win by more than six. They're dominating. They're up. They're way ahead. The Falcons get a late field goal. So Pittsburgh's up three. Minka Fitzpatrick picks off a pass. Oh, my God. Headed to the end zone, is going to walk into the end zone with 40 seconds left and just steps out of bounds at the four-yard line for no reason at all. They would have won by 10. That was a 9-1 to reverse teaser that the Steelers and Lions dominated for me. And instead, got to just kneel the ball out. One more kneel. Just get the touchdown. You're a defender. You don't get to score touchdowns. You're about to go up 10 with 40 seconds left against Marcus Mariota. Score the touchdown. Anyway, Pittsburgh won. Nothing else happened this game. I was with a buddy at a bar watching this, and he turns to me and says, someone definitely had an alternate total or an alternate line. And I looked and go, you're 1,000% right. And here we are. It's the first day part of it. It's Brandon Anderson (laughs) on the Action Network Podcast Recap Show. That may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. Tennessee, Philadelphia, Eagles roll in this game, Jill. The public side was Tennessee. Yes, it was. Folks, folks here at Action like Tennessee. We a lot the best bets pod we had them. Eagles dominated this game. Yeah, and all the Vrabel as an underdog ATS trends, they just took a huge smack on the chin, like in this one, because uh, this was just the A.J. Brown revenge game. That's what it's going to go down as. Uh, I mean, eight catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns, and the Titans were just outmatched from the jump. Like, if Ryan Tannehill is your leading rusher in the game, when you have Derrick Henry on your roster, you are probably 99% going to lose. Like, it just it doesn't really ever equate or correlate to a win. I mean, and based on the stats coming to the game, like the game plan – For the Eagles, pretty obvious. You got to throw it to your outside threats. You know, Tennessee was uh, number one DBOA against the run, like pass to the outside threats, and the Titans couldn't stop them. A.J. Brown scored twice. Kez Watkins could have scored a touchdown. Devontae Smith scored a touchdown. 380 pass yards from Jalen Hurts. Uh, The game just barely goes over the 44-and-a-half total with that final touchdown to Miles Sanders with about eight minutes to go. Uh, But otherwise, other than that, Titans just sitting there comfortably at seven and five in the AFC South and have, this is now the worst division in football, right? The AFC South. Feels like it now. Now it's been the worst division in football for like a decade. (laughs) I don't know. No, I, as an NFC East uh, truther, I have taken a lot of negativity and flack over the years for how easy the schedule has been near the top to bottom. That's actually inverse this year, but yes, AFC South, was giving them a run for their money, but I think they're in the lone spot in the top of the podium now. I, I like that in your uh, defense of worst in football, you managed to get a Flacco in there. It's just a Flacco just jumps in when it's time for a worst in football. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers wins against the, the uh, Bears again, and he covers again. Same old Aaron. There were, I mean, I'm watching that game thinking, Brandon, like, why, why is 
Aaron Rodgers playing, but man, him and Christian Watson, they're starting to click. It might be too little too late, but the Aaron Rodgers owning the Bears storyline remains. It's true. 24 and five now all time against the Bears, 22 and seven against the spread in the regular season. He's now, uh, when he plays the Bears, the ultimate get right game for him. When the Packers are coming off of a win by 10 or anything worse than that, and then they play the Bears, Aaron Rodgers is 17 and 0 against the spread in the Bears games after that. So store that stat away. If we get any more of them, we don't know. This maybe was it for Aaron Rodgers owning the Bears. Watson, two more touchdowns. He's got eight now in the last four games. Man, that came out of nowhere. That dude is fast. Justin Fields, another electric 55-yard touchdown as well. The Bears were up 16 to 3. I uh can't believe that I didn't take the chance to just put some money live on Aaron Rodgers owning the Bears at 16 to 3. I have regrets about that. Honestly, though, the narrative is easy. Aaron Rodgers won the game, owns the Bears, blah, 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 blah. The Bears averaged 8.2 yards of play. Chicago was the clearly better team in this game. They just turned it over three times. The Bears should have won. So don't make too much of this. It's not like the Packers are back in R-E-L-A-X. Now the Packers stink. They just aren't the Bears. Jill, the Seahawks defeated the Rams, the very much beat up L.A. Rams, 27-23. The Rams cover. They were getting a touchdown or greater. Seven and a half was out there, some sevens as well. So the Rams are playing a bunch of second stringers, guys off the street. Did we learn anything about Seattle? It's the Gino. Gino is back. Uh, record passing day against the secondary. Uh, I, I don't think anybody had a bigger win today uh, outside of the Bengals than the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, the commander's tie uh, gets them back into playoff contention. You know, DK Metcalf and and uh, Tyler Lockett looked amazing in this game. You know, DK Metcalf had a muscle touchdown like over Jalen Ramsey to go up by four. Um, you know, some people earlier in the week, like Brandon, from a look ahead standpoint, you know, might've had a, a better, uh, spread record here, be able to win that, but, you know, obviously they didn't end up covering the spread, but the, the game does comfortably go over the total with 20 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, now, Brandon, you brought up uh, Christian Watson. I think you should be keeping an eye on him for rookie of the year as well. Uh, you know, he was plus 900 entering today, another two touchdowns and Kenneth Walker was the fave uh, hurt his ankle. He, maybe he misses a week. Maybe he doesn't, but again, just something to monitor here because if, if this connection is going to continue and especially some of these garbage time touchdowns uh, where, or even just convincing win touchdowns here with Christian Watson, uh, he's going to keep elevating up into that spot where he might be able to actually sneak away and take this award. Brandon Anderson bought stock on the Lions this week. He liked their win total over six and a half, which was their preseason total as well. But you got that this week. You also liked them when this line flipped. They became a favorite after being marked as a dog to begin the week. Classic letdown spot for the Jags and the Lions. They dropped 40 at home, went 40 to 14. Yeah, they just smashed the Jaguars. The, the, this was never a game. This is one of those where we look at the final score, 40 to 14, and say, yeah, that's exactly what this game was. This, this was a blowout. The Lions were successful on 31 out of 35 series in this game. They scored on every single drive until they knelt down at the end of the game. So so it was every bit the blowout that it should have been. Amara St. Brown, a huge game. The Lions are good, man. I don't know that there's really a way to bet on futures. I would still look to bet a, a team win total over that's out there. But uh, the, if they want out, they maybe can make a run at the playoffs and they do have a chance to win out. Like the next couple of weeks, they play the Vikings. 
They play the Jets. This is not necessarily a team you want to bet on to make the playoffs. The number wasn't really that great, but they're definitely a team that I want to keep looking for spots to bet them week to week. And as a Vikings fan, you mentioned earlier, they're only uh, like a point or two favorites going to Detroit next week. I'm not even sure they should be favorite at all. Detroit might be better right now. Wow. Denver Broncos are back in the frozen pizza. Ca- They've never left the frozen pizza category, no, but they're back on the podcast. Not even one week this year. Not 10 even one to week this nine. Year. My God, 10-9. The defense does their share again for Denver, and they lose as it should be. They almost won that game. The Ravens pull it out of their keisters and win 10-9. Lamar Jackson's hurt. That's a big storyline from this game. John Harbaugh said it could be days, could be weeks. They're not really sure. It's not season ending. That's the good news for Ravens fans. So the Broncos did cover the spread. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't change the fact that this was just the biggest shit sandwich of a game on the schedule. Like, I mean, the Broncos comfortably go under again. 11 of 12 games this year have gone under. Uh, now, Lamar Jackson uh, with the knee injury, uh, I think that's going to play a little bit of an issue here now with them being eight and four. Uh, you know, they still barely lead the AFC North, but, you know, you look at their schedule coming up, you know, they've got the Steelers twice, they've got the Browns and uh, also the Falcons. So that game in week 18 against the Fal- uh, against the, the Bengals on the road could maybe prove to end up being the winner of the division at that point, uh, depending on how the next couple of weeks go. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tyler Huntley, <laughs> he lost this game and then won the game in the same like quarter, like uh, the fourth quarter, he threw an interception. And then on the final drive, he looked kind of just like Lamar Jackson. He went eight for eight on the final drive. He had 12 rush yards. He scored the winning touchdown, two fourth down conversions. So again, somehow John Harbaugh in this, uh, in this offense somehow pull it out, even though uh, the Broncos defense again, looked great. Pete Carroll has to be laughing his ass off. My goodness. 367 from the backup last year, Geno Smith and Russell Wilson, 189. Greg Dulcich, his go-to target, one target in this game for Cortland Sutton. Another shit sandwich, as Jill eloquently said. We'll close with the Deshaun Watson return for the Cleveland Browns. He takes on his old team, the Houston Texans. Hey, Brandon, Texans were hanging around there a little bit. They had a lead <laughs> seven to five. I think the score was seven, something like that. Seven, five or five to three. I can't remember. But the Browns, they they win 27-14. They cover the eight-point spread, seven and a half. But Watson wasn't all that special. As you you had the day count added up. How many days since he last played a game? Exactly 700 days since he played. And let me tell you, Brendan. Deshaun Watson's game today mirrored his last 700 days of his life. He was complete and absolute garbage, only to get totally bailed out by his defense anyway. Same thing off the field, same thing on the field. Deshaun Watson was terrible, 131 yards, didn't get the team into the end zone. The Browns offense scored six points. I was on the Texans this game. I look, I know they lost by 13 here. I feel pretty hard done. The Browns score three times with their defense and special teams. In this game, we have a safety, we have a punt return touchdown, a fumble touchdown, interception touchdown, 27 to 14. There's only one offensive touchdown in the game. They came from the Texans. So, it, yeah, ridiculous game. Houston trash can offense gave this one away, but Deshaun Watson trash can human is not the one responsible for taking it. Jill, Jill did a good job of mapping out Kyle Allen's track record this year and, 
that is reflected in the line for next week. The Texans are 16 and a half point underdogs in Dallas. Keep an eye on that line. This uh, Deshaun Watson led offense now has to go to Cincinnati and they're laying, uh, they're getting four and a half, which I think you just look at the score against the Texans and they see, they see the 27. It wasn't all that pretty. So maybe that's a look at, at the Bengals. Uh, who knows going in? Cause that, that could move with the way the Bengals play today against Kansas city. So big week for favorites. Favorites had their best week of the season. They went nine and four against the number overs hit in seven of the 13 games. Wasn't our best for the best bets episode. We had a tough week, two and seven. We'll bounce back. These guys are good at what they do. Let's get to Monday night. Then we'll do the hot read and get out of here. Saints Buccaneers is the game tonight in Tampa, Raymond James stadium. Bucks are laying three and a half points, Brandon, over under at 41. The Saints historically, since Brady arrived in Tampa, have given him fits. The Bucs did beat the Saints early in the season in New Orleans, and the offense wasn't clicking then. It still isn't. Yeah, and there's a lot of injuries for Tampa Bay here, too. Tristan Wirfs, the star tackle, is out for this game. Antoine Winfield, star safety, who's been a really key to their defense, he's doubtful. Mike Edwards, Sean Murphy bunting. That's three of the four secondary starters, all doubtful for this game. Vita Vea, the run stuffer, defensive tackle. He's questionable. There's a lot of big names for this Bucs team that just can't really get healthy this year. So I think the tendency is to look at the line and say, okay, well, it's Saints three and a half. Earlier in the week, it was Saints six and a half. We lost all the value. No, we gained value because Tampa's missing all these guys now. That's why the line dropped out, not just because the money came in. So since you mentioned that the, the Bucs beat the Saints, that was in week two. Since then, Tampa Bay is three and six. And those three wins are by three, five, and six points, I think. So Saints have beaten Tom Brady four to five times in the regular season. Dennis Allen just seems to have a pretty good kind of matchup for what the Bucs do well. And don't forget, in primetime games, Tom Brady with the Bucs, two and 10 ATS. Uh, so... Andy Dahl, not exactly, uh, you know, real great in primetime himself, but at least offsetting the ATS there. It's a good spot for short road underdogs. Four points or less on Monday night is 24-13-1 ATS. And then I kind of like the under here as well because we know these games have been pretty low scoring. Five games that Bucks played with Brady against the Saints, 38.6 points a game. So I like the under 40 and a half. Bucs have gone under 40 and a half in nine out of 11 games this season. They've been one of the top under teams out there. So I'm going to do a play here that I've done on a few other games this weekend. I'm going to go double dip here. I'm going to play the under 40 and a half and the Saints cover. I'm going to play them together because I think that those are correlated. So together, I got a plus 264. You play both of those. I think the Saints keep it close. It's low scoring. Three and a half. You're above the key number. Maybe even if the Bucs get a win, it's by field goal, 20 to 17, something like that. So I'll play a Saints cover and an under 40 and a half. Very good. That number just moved as we spoke over at FanDuel. 41 and a half now is the total. And oh. the numbers moved to, and it's moved to Saints plus three. Well, we're moving all over the place. All right. Yeah. That typically doesn't happen, folks. When we record late night Sunday into the wee hours of the morning Monday, 41 and a half total. And Saints are now plus three. Jill, touchdown scores. What do we like? Kamara, White, and Fournette. Fournette, I think, is going to play. He didn't play last week. Questionable. 
But those are your top three in terms of the favorites to score tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking at Chris Godwin. I, I think Godwin is the most consistent wide receiver right now on the Bucs. He's got 10-plus targets in six of nine games this year. I know Brandon was really high on him at the start of the year. I thought he could be even a top-five wide receiver from a fantasy standpoint. Um, going for his third straight game with a touchdown. Uh, and Lattimore is expected back. Uh, he'll likely key in on Mike Evans. You can go through the game logs. You can see Mike Evans doesn't usually perform that well in those matchups with Lattimore. Um, and then on the Saints side, I'm probably just going to take a, a unit and split it because I was looking at Juwan Johnson and the Bucks uh, struggle against tight ends this year. But he's got ruled out for the game. So I'm just going to take the next man up. I'm going to take Adam Troutman. And then I'm also going to take Rashid Shaheed. I'm going to put a half unit on each um, and just kind of hope for the best. And, and I have no shame in admitting that I'm throwing darts uh, on the Saints side because the consistency week to week on who scores in this offense uh, changes all the time. And uh, and my producer, is he's knocking me right now. He's saying you should take Taysom Hill. And I'm going to say Taysom Hill, no thanks, uh, unless you're giving me over like plus 400 odds on that. I will say, we talk a lot about this New Orleans defense having Brady's number. They're at plus 900 to score in this game. If Tom is seeing Tom at night, you know, he's he's forgot what down it is sometimes. He He's not quite like Darnold seeing ghosts out there, but it is late for, for Tom Brady at 45 years old. Anyway, all right, before we go, we're going to uh, get to the hot read. Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice rights! Ice cream! Jose! So in the segment, folks, if you're new, it's not really talking matchup 14, but more so we're looking at the line because the lines come out for the following week tonight, early morning. And we're going to try and get a line we like now before there's a shift later in the week before the action comes in and get the best number. Brandon, what's a spot that you like in week 14? I'm going to Sunday night next week. We flex the Dolphins Chargers into the Sunday night game. I want the Dolphins. Miami is favored right now, but it's below the key number. Depending on where you look, it's bouncing around. But give me a minus one, minus one and a half. You're going to find it still anything below three because at the Chargers, that's essentially a neutral site game. If anything, it's probably a Miami home game. Dolphins fans travel. Chargers fans don't exist. So we're going to get some Miami home advantage there. So that basically means that we're just looking at a neutral line here at least. And Miami is just a much better team than the Chargers. We know that already. The Chargers are now 0-4 against playoff teams, which Miami still clearly is. And I don't want to make too much of Miami getting destroyed by San Francisco's defense because guess who's not San Francisco's defense? The Chargers. The Chargers have all their injuries up and down the roster, both sides of the ball. Chargers, Brennan, you mentioned earlier that they get pressure on Tua. The numbers say otherwise. The Chargers are 29th in pressure rate on the season. So if you don't get the pressure on, now, what about the explosive pass plays? That's how Miami beats you. Chargers are 28th in most pa- uh, explosive pass plays allowed. So if you don't get pressure on and you give them time for Tua to hit Tyreek and Waddle and all the weapons, I think we're just kind of back to what we've seen with Miami. Don't forget, before today, Miami with Tua in the lineup for half the snaps, 8-0, and they had scored 31 or more four t- games in a row before today. So I think it's a good spot to get back at it. Chargers... I'm just happy to keep betting against this team right now because they don't really give me any reason to do so. Otherwise, bottom five in the league on first down on both sides of the ball. Just a team I'm happy to fade and happy to take a Dolphins 
quote unquote home game in Los Angeles. So give me it anywhere below the key number of three and I'll be clad. Okay. Tua, by the way, left the game. He could have returned. They clarified that after. I'm not sure if Waddle's injury was all that serious. He had a leg injury in the game against San Francisco. So those are some things to monitor as well. Yeah, I did. I did uh, hesitate a little bit with the injuries. Teron Armstead, the left tackle, missed today, was doubtful. I have to believe probably we're going to get, I would think, honestly, all three of those guys back next week. It is a risk. You're always risking a little bit when you play earlier in the week. The thing that offsets a little bit here is the Chargers injury report is like half of their roster. You know, like the the Chargers are going to be missing Mike Williams and like four of their guys that fall down an escalator this week. And like, so the Chargers are missing half their team anyway. So I think there's as much injury risk that can harm the Chargers as can harm the Dolphins. So that's why I didn't mind grabbing that now. Okay, that's fair. I'm surprised you didn't want to go to Patriots Cardinals Monday night when you got Cliff and Belichick. Cliff was in the quarterback room oh. in New England under Bill. And yeah, that's Monday night. Maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll be going there. We'll be going there on yeah. Friday, Brandon. I just didn't feel the need to grab the hot read because I don't, neither of those teams played this weekend. And like you said, it's about the number. I don't think that number is going to move a lot, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back to visit yeah. Cliff and Belichick for sure. It's a reminder to keep an eye on the Action Network app as well, where Brandon and Jill log all of their picks as well as our other NFL and other sports action folks. So keep an eye on that. If you're looking to bet some basketball this week, we've got the NBA and college basketball slates covered for you at action. Just look for the buckets podcast and also big bets on campus buckets is every weekday during the NBA season, big bets on campus. College basketball coverage is every Wednesday. You can listen to those pods wherever you get your podcast, just hit subscribe. And as for the action network podcast, tune in Wednesday mornings for Raybon and Sean Kerner's player projections episode. Then Thursdays, you can hear Raybon and Stucky's NFL betting preview featuring the Sunday six pack. And on Friday mornings, these two guys are there. I'm there as well. The NFL best bets episode. We'll have week 14 coming your way Friday morning. We record Thursday. Thanks to our producer, David, behind the scenes for Brandon Anderson, Joe Gallant, Brendan Glasheen. You have a great rest of your week, everybody. Good luck with your uh, bets tonight for Saints and Bucks. And we'll catch you again very soon on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel.